Hello and welcome back to the Comeback Podcast. As usual, I am your host, Connor, and if you've listened to quite a few episodes by now, you will realize that I speak to people from around Saigon, Vietnam, and the world about their background, what they do, why they like to do it, and more. Now, today's guest is from Ukraine. It is Christina, and we are going to talk about life in Vietnam, her background, and also a recent event, which I believe was organized by some kind of French organization here in Ho Chi Minh City to do with relief for Ukraine. Welcome, Christina. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Did I get it correct about the French organization? Uh, French consulate, French actually. Consulate, yes, wow. they, they led us uh, do the event on the, their territory, so that was actually quite gracious of them. That was very gracious. Yes, yeah. and uh, actually quite a few other countries joined us, like Canada, Hungary, Germany, Italy, and Netherlands. That's a huge variety. So yeah, there were like official representatives and whatnot, and of course our ambassador, and if I'm not mistaken, even the Vietnamese ambassador to Ukraine, but they cannot really have like any sort of official statements or something mm. like that. So it was more of a just like joining the event for for the hell of it. Was this event planned a long time in advance? I actually have no idea myself to be honest because I found out by accident. I you know there's this uh, uh, hair salon in Taodian owned by a Ukrainian guy, right? Yes. And I've been going there for like for the past four months, maybe half a year. And um, when I visited like a few weeks ago, he said like, hey, there's going to be a, this thing going on. So if you want to join, just join. And I was like, okay. And then I messaged uh, a, a girl, this girl, she's the organizer. And she was like, um, what can you do? And I'm like, okay, I can, I can sing, I can host, I can donate some um, uh, lots for the auction if necessary, pretty much, um, you know whatever you have going on, I can do it. You can do so, a wide variety. Yeah, and uh, basically that's what they did. They, they made me a host, a singer, and uh, you know, do pretty much everything. Yeah. That's in terms of uh, auction and all that. Absolutely. So. That's great that you were able yeah. to use a wide variety of skills for this event. Uh, yeah, I guess I was a little surprised myself because I haven't been doing that for, for a while. Uh, but I am pretty musical and uh, it's not like I'm a a newbie to a stage or something like that. For sure. When did this musical journey begin? Uh, well, I, I started taking piano classes when I was in uh, second grade, I think. So that's seven years of that. And then I was singing in different bands. And, um, you know, my family's pretty musical too. Like we have instruments and stuff. And my mom plays two instruments. And my dad plays the guitar too. So it's uh, kind of natural in my Right, family. I see. Yeah, and what I usually do, Christina, is we started in a strange area where we went straight into the most recent <laughs> event, and usually I go straight to the background. Like okay. I ask people about their background and life growing up. Now your home country, Ukraine, we all know what's going on right now. So I'm just, I'm just fascinated learning for you, for you and your upbringing. What was life like growing up in Ukraine? Uh, I'm actually, I've come from western part of Ukraine, which is very close to Poland, and it's mountainous and it's really beautiful. And I also, I grew up in the countryside. And it was, it was nice. I, you know, I always get nostalgic when I think about it. I guess most of us do. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I really miss it. I miss my family. I haven't been home since 2019. Wow. Yeah. I arrived here at the end of the, uh, at the end of November, I think. And then originally I was supposed to just like take a look around, maybe travel a little bit, see how I like Vietnam or maybe I don't. And then Corona started. Yes, indeed. And and I've been stuck here ever since. Yeah. And now the war started. So 
Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I've changed quite a few schools because my family moved around a little bit. My dad used to have this, um, uh, what do you call it in English? When they chop down the trees, I forgot the word. Lumberjack. Some, some, That's some, like the American some, way. Something like that. Yeah, I'm not I sure guess. about the British So basically, word. that was his business. He was uh, selling wood all over the country and uh, some countries in Europe as well. And we used to live there, and then we moved to back home to where my family is from originally. So, quite a few places. So like I, I know a lot of people. Yeah, no, it seems yeah. to be like a lot of moving. Yeah, yeah. And, and then college years, and uh, yeah, it was pretty fun. And then when I was twenty-one, I moved to China. And actually, that's what I've been doing for the past ten years. I've been living in Asia, so I've lived for seven years, almost seven years in China and almost three years now in Vietnam. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the same with you in Vietnam. I got here July 29th, 2019, so that's three years coming up very, very soon with like the official anniversary. And I'm also the same as you as in that I've not been home since, so I'm just fascinated oh, with wow. what it will be like. Now, can I just clarify, it's very different me going home than you going home because sure, of a hell sure. of a lot of reasons. Um, I know this might be a slightly deep way to go into the conversation, but how are you currently feeling about what's going on in Ukraine? I know that might be a silly question, but um, may I ask you? It's, it still kind of feels surreal, like you can't quite believe it, right? It's, it's, it's movies. These things are happening in movies. You, I mean, um, you know, our genera- all of our former generations, they've suffered from something. It's either Soviet Union, the World War One, World War Two, famine, whatnot, and uh, every generation has this trauma. And even my parents and and my grandparents, they're like, you know, sometimes when we would sit together on a holiday, and the toast would be, let everything happen but war. So you can see it's like the whole generation trauma. It's a common trauma for all the people that we just. Have, we just cannot catch a break from all this trauma. And at first, I guess, you know, it's like the depression stages. Like, first it's, it's denial, and then it's anger, and then it's bargain, and I forgot about the other two. Yeah, it's sure. Like five stages. Okay, okay. So I guess right now I'm in this mode when I'm, I'm mostly operating on uh, hate, right? Hate. And, and just this um, focus. I would say focus because I'm like, okay, I'm going to donate. I'm gonna give out uh, free English classes to the refugees, which I'm, I've been doing for a couple of months now. And I'm gonna join this market thing and donate my time and money again, and just uh, you know do everything I can to 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 help in this. <coughs> sorry in some way. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, also, my younger brother, he's a military. And uh, well, I, I don't know how much you know about the war, but before the the full scale invasion. Uh, there used to be this anti-terrorist operation, which is short, is just the abbreviation APO. Uh, so he 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 used to be there for a year, in, like in, in the in the middle of the whole thing. And uh, currently, he's actually in England, and he is uh, trying to buy everything he can and send off to his uh, troops back in Ukraine. And uh, that's also what we are doing together. I'm trying to send him some money so he can buy everything. Um, just, just everything he can. Because as actually, <laughs> he's been doing it for the for the past couple of months, and he says that the market is slowly, it's getting empty. So every time he needs to buy something, he needs to travel to like Scotland or something, and somewhere, or even like to the border with France. So yeah, yeah. I mean this, and I don't mean to be too like 
too, I suppose, deep, but we've had the pandemic, mm -hmm. right? That's been 2020 to still not over, of course, but yeah. we, hope the, we hope that the worst of it is gone. But that has come, and then there's the war situation. I suppose like that's a double whammy of like huge proportions <laughs> towards you. Like, how do you stay like hopeful and optimistic? Um, I I don't know. I guess uh, in in a way, most of us are denying it a little bit because when you start overthinking things and like trying to take it all in, I don't think any any Ukrainian would be functional because it's it's just depressing it's horrible it's painful like i read all these news every day it's like i know some people say you shouldn't read that but then i'm like how can i not read it i have to know what's happening i need to know like i just i cannot ignore it and even though i'm here in vietnam where it's all nice and sunny and i can go have my coffee and you know enjoy the restaurant or even go to the beach it's still always in the background of my mind. It's like this cloud hanging there and it's not going anywhere until the victory day. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, I mean, I, to be honest with you, I don't have any, like, I can't give any like em real experience because I've never experienced anything like it. But I can offer as much empathy as I possibly can in just trying to understand the situation and trying to, I guess, offer I speak like on behalf of myself, but also I'm sure many other experts from different countries are the same, offer any kind of support possible. And I think with that, like seeing an event like the market we were talking about is great because, okay, it's thousands of miles away, but it's just that little bit. And if people do that little bit, I do believe a common collective could ultimately get to a victory. And we just have to keep our fingers crossed. Can you talk to me about that event, the market? What was it all like? What was it about? You did your singing, your hosting. How did it go for you? I guess it was really successful. I mean, I have nothing really to compare it to because I know there have been uh, a few of those happening in Hanoi and in Saigon, but uh, this was my first one, so I can't really compare. But I, I think it was successful. Yeah. <laughs> For me personally and overall, as far as I know, we've collected almost 24,000 USD. Excellent. Yeah, which is quite impressive. That's very and impressive. Yeah, all the donations are gonna be sent to hospitals in Ukraine because it's uh, humanitarian aid, and we cannot donate to any uh, well military organizations. So yeah, uh, children's hospital and um, another hospital. I don't remember the name, but it's just two hospitals, and um, so many people donated their time and, and effort, like. Many people cooked amazing food, and I know all of it was eaten because I haven't tried anything. The whole day I had like one bottle of water or something because oh, wow. I had no time, and uh, you know, just I, I feel I still feel a little bit, you know, heartbroken <laughs> that I didn't get to try any of the Ukrainian food that I've been craving. Mm. Yeah, and uh, lots of uh, crafts and stuff. People could buy different uh, things with uh, like Ukrainian colors and um, different symbols and just learn a little bit about the history and maybe some important figures in, in, in our history that are uh, maybe popular all over the world, but not so much. Sure. Yeah, and then we had the auction with some very interesting uh, items like some Ukrainian traditional embroidery, uh, beautiful paintings. Many Vietnamese people donated many things. Uh, like beautiful paintings uh, with like combined Vietnamese and Ukrainian theme. Ah. Yeah, so that was very interesting actually. So to to see two cultures that are so far away from yeah. each other, but somehow united in one. Um, yeah, I'm, try yeah, I'm trying to like combine the two together. Like, like for example, one was a painting of a girl in a traditional Vietnamese hat standing in a field of wheat, 
uh, and the background was blue, which is blue sky, and the field of golden wheat is a Ukrainian flag, right? That's what it stands for, and the Vietnamese girl in the middle of it. And I think it's really beautiful because it's just, uh, you know, the two symbols from two countries that you can like easy go to, like, okay, this is Ukrainian, this is Vietnamese, and they are somehow combined together. And I know that the author is a girl, she's Vietnamese, but she lived and studied in Ukraine for like 10 years or something. Excellent. Yeah, so, uh, you know, that a person who understands culture and uh, that's how she uh, showed it to the world and I think that's really beautiful. Yeah, even yeah. I've not seen it, but I really want to see it and just the image that I have in my mind, I'm sure it looks much better, but like, I, I can't wait to see it. And I also, I would love to interview her as well. I feel like that would be fascinating. Like on that count, just to see her work and then to get the interview. That would yeah, be lovely. Yeah, so. um, I, I guess I can ask some people. Yeah, and, sure. And <laughs> you can contact her for another podcast. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, also my family donated some of our um, handmade uh, family embroidery, which is which was done by my grandmother, and um, it was also quite successful. Um, a, a guy bought an embroidered shirt, and um, I was really impressed because he turned out to be Russian. <laughs> yeah. I did not see that coming, but he was like super happy about it, and he was like, even though I have a Russian passport, but I am Polish slash Ukrainian by by roots or something like that. <laughs> by some measure. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. that was actually really interesting. Absolutely. Like, maybe symbolic in a way. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So. And before we kind of move on to more of your expat journey, I did want to touch on Ukraine, but not like what's the word like fester on it too mm -hmm. much due to, I guess, my lack of real, real experience. Um, are there any small things that we can do? You know, if there's anybody listening to um, help the Ukraine situation, for example, donating to a certain cause or is there anything you'd suggest or? I guess donating, yes, one of the ways. Uh, but the most important one is just still keep talking about it. I know the world is tired. We are tired. And I, I just hope that people will will not get uh, annoyed with it, you know, bored with it, and still sort of uh, maybe post something or just talk about it. And uh, just if if you have the interest, maybe learn a little about about culture or some people, something like that. Even even that will be helpful to just maybe understand and and learn about Ukraine. More. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you very much for sharing, Christina. Um, in terms of your own expat journey, we've covered like the early years, and you've touched upon seven years in China, yeah. three years in Vietnam, and I'm always interested, mainly because I'm an expat, of course, as well. Like why people move. I mean, there are so many different reasons, and there are so many different cultures to experience. One part of me wishes that I was somebody, a very small part, wishes that I was somebody who could stay in the same place for their whole life and be content. Because mm -hmm. I think, wow, you didn't need much. But the other part of me appreciates my own sense of really needing to see other parts of the world, hence why I've done so. What was your reason for moving from Ukraine and going to China, if I may ask? Uh, actually, it was my college, because my major is English and Chinese. Yeah, so one of the reasons was to actually go to China and uh, have a chance to practice my Chinese and maybe improve it and... Um, do an internship or something like that. I had no idea about Asia at that time, even though I was uh, just reading some books, but they were like <laughs> not deep enough about the actual culture and everything, you know, you know how it is. Yeah, of course. So yeah, basically that was my reason. I, I got my bachelor's degree and then I didn't want to go on with my master's. I decided to go to China 
and the original plan was to stay for years, you know, work a little bit, get some experience and go back home. And then, you know, seven years later, <laughs> here we are, I'm still in China. Well, I mean, uh, it's not a secret that Chinese government is really, uh, well, even the pre-corona time, it was going down on foreigners really hard. And especially if you're not a native speaker and you are trying to make a career in teaching, well, English specifically it's not so easy for you like you have to have a specific diploma maybe some extra certificates and whatnot and and that's understandable because you have to be qualified to get that kind of job so yeah um i managed to get my my thing sorted out and i've been working there as a teacher for all that time and then um it was getting harder in in 2018 and 19 like every year it was getting harder and harder and i was like okay um it's not really worth it to just uh, you know worry so much about my visa every single time because you know it's really stressful for for any expat when you have to go through all those mm. documents and paperwork and whatnot so yeah um me and my boyfriend decided okay we're just gonna finish our contract and uh, let's go back home for a while you know take a little break and maybe just uh, rest so that's what we did and then after two months at home we were like okay so what's next and uh, a friend of ours said like hey you want to try Vietnam and we were, well okay we can give it a try let's let's see what it's like comparing to China or any other Asian countries somehow I did not have my eyes set on Europe or, or, or States or Canada <laughs> yeah so yeah uh, at the end of 2019 we came here and like I mentioned before, the original plan was to travel a little bit, see which part of Vietnam is more suitable for us, and uh, like what's what's the uh, the market, the job market like, and then well, Corona started. Of course, and, of yeah, course. We kind of had no choice but to just stay here and just find a job, just to get a visa and mm. uh, you know get through the first few months of pandemic and, yeah. and quarantine, right? So that was the toughest part probably because no one. Nobody could have yeah, foreseen it. Yeah, it's just like and yeah. and yeah, you know what's Asia like in terms of quarantine and measures and everything. Have everything super strict and especially last year. I mean, you were here in Saigon, so you probably know better than me because uh, it was super strict here with all the military and you know like <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, even in Binion, it was easier because we live on the outskirts, like in the new district or something, and uh, we have like forests and parks nearby. So we could actually sneak out at night and maybe like take a little walk or maybe we were still able to go to the supermarket because they give us like those little papers or something. So it wasn't that bad. I know people inside would suffered much more. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. Okay. okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's not really. It was just to be honest with you from June. I remember it quite clearly. Mm -hmm. End of May, things started getting a little bit tense. Right after the May holidays, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. June, then it was, yeah, the schools uh, went to online and we thought, oh, when will this happen? June, the cases rose a bit more and mm -hmm. a few restaurants shut and it was, but you could still get around, but you couldn't do anything in terms of like social, like a lot of shops and restaurants shut. July, boom, they clamped down and I think August is when the military come out and I thought, <laughs> right, absolutely nothing is happening here. The same happened in September and then October 1st was Freedom Day. And yeah. bizarrely, I thought that that day I was going to dance on the street. I was going to <laughs> to all my restaurants. But because I was so used to staying inside, because you couldn't go out after 6 p.m., mm -hmm. because I was so used to the curfew and staying indoors, I remember genuinely going for a drive at 7 p.m. and just going home because I didn't know what to do. It was almost as if, <laughs> oh, I can do stuff now, but I didn't want to because I was so, you know, 
it's like Stockholm syndrome, I guess, just or like yeah, just getting yeah, used yeah. to being in the house. All your habits are different, right? Yeah, because yeah. you're so used to staying indoors all the time. Yeah. My, my only uh, fun time was to go to the rooftop uh, sometime around sunset because uh, my building is like the highest building in the area. It's 25 stories high and there is nothing around, like just, just like parks and everything. And it's super flat, so you know, you can see super far away on, on a very clear uh, day. I can actually see the landmark 81 from the top of my building and that's 30 kilometers away. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. That is beautiful. Yes. So wow. yeah, uh, that was my fun time. That was your escapism. <laughs> yes. But it really, it really goes back to the fact that we had to really find the small joys. Like usually in say normal quote unquote life, mm -hmm. you would never really, yeah. you go, oh, that's landmark, cool. But because you're in a situation where you're really clutching at straws, you're thinking, this is actually beautiful. And I think it gave everybody a sense of gratitude and appreciation yeah. for the smallest things. Like the fact that I live in a nice apartment gave me a lot of comfort during that time. Even if I couldn't, well, I couldn't leave it, so I had to enjoy every bit. And I remember like on my birthday, I managed to sneak a pizza. I don't know how I did this. There was a place that I knew that might be delivering. So I said, if you walk to my apartment, give me a pizza, it's my birthday. He did it. And I was like, eternally wow. grateful. I won't say who, don't ruin the reputation. You, you, you were much more lucky than me. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, you because I turned 30, it was in August, and it, nothing was open around us. So yeah. I just got a cookie like like uh, Orion pie cookie and I stuck a candle in it and that was my birthday. That was your birthday. <laughs> my birthday is August as well. Uh, August 11th, same day? 19th. Oh, okay. Very I've, close. I, I, yeah, I've never <laughs> met anyone with the same birthday as me in person, so that's why I'm just curious. But uh, I guess that's irrelevant. But I, mm -hmm. I yeah, my, my cleaner tested positive the day before COVID. Sorry, the day before my birthday. So that meant the, the sofas barricaded us in. I couldn't actually leave the building. So people are like, hey, what are you doing for your birthday? Absolutely nothing. Nothing, a pizza, a cookie. That was, I, I ordered a cookie as well, that was it. <laughs> it's like I was 12 again. But I suppose moving away from like the COVID aspect and the little, uh, the little things that we were able to get during that time, there was something that interested me there. It's when you mentioned the visa situation in mm -hmm. China mm -hmm. and you know being on edge. And I'm lucky in Vietnam that my company saw it for me every June. Every June it's, it's sorted and it just roll over. I have to pay for it, it's rough, but it's sorted. Mm -hmm. In China, I believe from what I've heard, it's not that easy. Can you tell me more? Well, it really depends on your home country, first of all, because they have like those different uh, lists of restrictions and whatnot. And, uh, but if you have all the paperwork sorted out, it's actually not so complicated. And you can go to the immigration office yourself and submit your paperwork, not like in Vietnam, like you always have to go through agents, right? Mm -hmm. So that's probably a major difference. But uh, they might always ask you for an extra paper, like maybe a registration from like another province, or maybe another extra document from your home country, or like maybe another stamp on this, or, or that stamp has to be translated. So, you know, um, they can be really picky. Mm. And there is no pattern, I guess. And, and of course they have their database and uh, if if you had some issues before in like another province or something it might be really really hard to get your visa sorted out and taxes of course they really come really hard on you like you there yeah so mm. and in terms of expat living china versus vietnam i know this might depend on say the area like shenzhen might be different to beijing or shanghai yeah. but what's the typical from your experience so where you were compared to saigon or binyang or wherever you are what were the main differences with expat living? I used to live very close to Shanghai. Uh, well, it's it's a smaller city, just of seven million people. <laughs> yes, uh, but very close to Shanghai. Um, t bottom line for me personally, Vietnam is better. 
uh, in some in, in most of my uh, well, uh, let's say my personal preferences. There are, however, a few points that maybe they're still more um, uh, attractive in China. Yeah, so like um, I have to highlight the transportation. Subway. I miss having subway. That's that was very convenient, especially if it's a big city and you need to get to places. Yeah, it, it's very convenient. And their speed trains, the the high speed trains. Oh my God! You don't need to take a plane. Like uh, you can cover the same distance by train and by plane in the same time. So like if I had to go from Shanghai to Beijing, I could do it in four hours. By plane, it's three hours flying, but you had to get to the airport mm. like an hour and a half before. And in cases like you know traffic jams and planes in China get delayed so so much. I don't think I've ever had a plane leaving on time. So you have to give it at least another two or three hours. Right. Yeah. So I I do miss that, and you know having all those bicycles and and taxis. Uh, it was so easy and so convenient. Like you you well if you wanted to you could buy a, a an e-bike because they have all, they have only the electrical ones not like in vietnam but i think there is a ban on that yeah i believe so those yeah. so yeah but to get by the city you know around the city that that one is more than enough and i know many people who just uh, got an e-bike and it was really convenient for them as well sure so I, i guess that's the main difference for me but other than that let's talk about internet Of course, that no firewall, no need for VPN or anything. I, I mean, of course, Vietnam is a you know a special country, mm -hmm. and they have their limits too. But it's nothing comparing to China. I mean, even in class when you need to do something, YouTube, boom, right there. All those websites, all the you know things that you use, you can do it online in China. Oh my God, it is always such a, well, it was such a pain in the ass because you had to download everything, and then you had to pay for VPN, and you know just just such a pain in the ass. When I was applying to go to China, I was applying to go to anywhere in Asia, to be honest with you, but China kept popping up. So in my mind, I thought I'd go to China, and when I was applying, every single job, all the reviews said the same thing about like the internet and this and resources, mm. and that was a huge factor where I thought because oh, I quite like freedom and I don't like things going wrong. And I don't think anyone does, but like I remember saying, like I can't be in this environment if I'm trying to teach a class and I go on this website done, website done, website done. Yeah. I didn't even, even think that's Wiki. Like, can you imagine Wiki? Wiki's not there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That says it all. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, I guess moving to China is one of those countries that, to be honest, a part of me was daunted moving country anyway. Mm -hmm. I could have moved to any country and I'd be a bit nervous, but especially one other side of the world from the UK. And China, I feel like, would have made me more nervous than Vietnam. What were your, what were your thought processes, both moving abroad mm -hmm. and moving to China? Like, were there any sort of nerves? Were there any kind of Um, reservations. What was going through your mind? I guess I was young and stupid. <laughs> how, young were, how, how young were we talking? We're talking college. Twenty-one. Oh, yeah, same, 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 yes, same. Yeah. Yes, I, I just graduated, so I, I turned twenty-one in August, and then in uh, beginning of January, I moved to China. Ah, nice. Okay. Yeah, so I just stayed uh, at home for like four months. Uh, I was looking for internships and whatnot, and then I got my ticket and boom, boom. flying off to China. I, I, I think, uh, you know, when you're young and stupid and you don't really think a few steps ahead, you're just like, okay, I'm doing this thing, but how am I going to do it? Like, uh, what are the, all those uh, other things that you have to do to do it? You don't think about that. So I guess that was my uh, mindset back then. Mm. I was like, okay, so, you know, I have this diploma somehow related to China. Why don't I go to China? So yeah, that was my decision back then. I quite like that though. I think there's something, <laughs> there's something to it where you just do something. Like I know a lot of people, including myself, have been held back by fear and been like, no, I'm too young or it might go wrong and this might happen and whatever, get arrested and blah, blah, blah. Rather than you just going, yeah, okay, I've got something, let's go. I feel like that let's go spirit can be very useful. 
Yeah, and, and before that, I've never been to any other country. Well, I've been to Russia. Always, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Only St. Petersburg. I, I spent like two months there in summer once, and uh, it was actually not bad. But yeah, that was my only experience going to another country, you know. But it wasn't like completely different because still, you know, I can speak Russian and, you know, it's still really familiar. So going to China was like actually going to another country. So uh, I think my family was really worried about that. I wasn't worried, but uh, many people they were like, "Why are you letting her go there? They're gonna like sell her, <laughs> sell her somewhere, you know, like take her organs or something, you know, like all yeah, those uh, quite typical um, yeah, the thoughts, right?" Yeah, sure. <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, my mom was really supportive. My dad was kind of like, "Oh yeah, do you really want to go there?" Like, uh, you know, wasn't sure. But my mom was really supportive. She was like, "If you want to do it, do it. I'm gonna help you in every possible way." And yeah, and um, back then, um, you know, um, we didn't really have internet back at home, so you know, just like getting catching up with all the technologies and everything, it was a little bit uh, difficult because it was like uh, mm. in a process. So when I got uh, to China, I didn't really have a chance of uh, calling my parents like via Skype or something like that. So for a couple of months, I was just sending emails to my friend and she was calling oh, my mom wow. and telling me like, she's okay, she's not dead. <laughs> no one, you know, said, s sold her to slavery or something. Here's the yeah. messenger. <laughs> and then, you know, a couple of months later when I finally saved up some money and I bought my own new laptop and I was like, okay, finally I can call my parents and I, s I can see them. So, you know, it was like, it was a wild ride and, uh, you know, really, really unusual and uh, I, I guess crazy in a way because I'm, I'm looking back at what I did back then, you know, it was like my early 20s and now I'm in my early 30s and I'm like, I'll pr I will probably not do this right now because that is really adventurous and a little stupid and, you know, this is what people are supposed to do in their 20s. Yeah. So, we time. I, I don't regret it, like nothing. and. Um, yeah, but uh, it's still sometimes I'm like, did I really do that? That's one of the, I think, about with moving abroad. <laughs> like I put myself into the mindset of 21-year-old 21, 21 me moving abroad. I think, what the fuck, did you do that? I was pretty right? deep. Like, I told my friends and they said, like, be, be, be wary of the fact that this is not Madrid or Portugal mm -hmm. or Spain. You're going to Vietnam. It's very, very different. And being supportive as well, they just said, just watch out. And I went, yeah, it'll be fine. And I did no research. Looking back, I should have been everywhere researching and just know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like in hindsight is always a wonderful thing when you go, or wonderful, or it's definitely a, a complex aspect where you think, oh God, I did achieve that. And it can be nice in reflection and all yeah. sorts of other matters. We touched upon there with your family, you've been speaking to loved ones, etc. And those are, I suppose, friends like or family from far away. But how did you make friends in China? As in, how did you not only make friends, but navigating friendships where expat life you go to a new country everyone else has moved country they might move again and you could get very close to someone and then they leave and you know that can happen on several occasions it has to me <laughs> how did you navigate that that's tough because it's really hard to find people who have a similar mindset and similar uh you know um, things in life things that they'd like to do eat see and uh etc and I guess uh, uh, many of my friends were my colleagues or like uh, a friend of a colleague, so you know, like it's like same circles. And um, there was like huge uh, expat community. I mean, big city, seven million people. So uh, many French people, many German people, actually, they had like their own uh, tiny community within the community, mm. you know. 
and uh, just so so many foreigners from all over the world and like same in Saigon you know you have the, those foreign bars pubs places and this is pretty much where you meet people right and uh, I can definitely say that I didn't get too close with any of the local people just somehow it was hard to 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 find uh, Chinese people who would be uh, I guess comfortable uh, with me and I would be with them so it was more about you know acquaintances level so, but yeah most of the foreigners um, very different people uh, it's funny that um, my closest friends were Russians yeah mm. that's like another sub story here because yeah. uh, you know when the war started uh, the closest person <laughs> yeah mm. I told her to fuck off right, because she said like you know it was like a bingo like the things that you see on the internet you're like no one's that stupid like no one can actually think that and then this person said like you know one two three four five and I'm just like check 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 yeah. like I cannot believe that you've been hiding this all these years That's like yeah, so yeah. I'm I'm still I'm still keeping that screenshot on my phone. Of Just watching. to remind yeah. you. Yeah. So sometimes when I look at it, I'm like, I still qu can't quite wrap my mind yeah. around the fact that this person said this to me, and she was like my closest friend in China for seven years because we worked for the same company but in different offices. Right. So we were super close. I called her my best friend in China, but yeah, you Not know. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, you know, like. Uh, war showed who is who mm. uh, yeah quite literally literally so, and yeah. on like a it's not of course it's not related to the war but um i feel like the expat life you're in a certain type of environment where i, I can't really say this yet because i've not been home but i would imagine i behave very differently when i'm in my home environment mm -hmm. just due to the subconscious memories and the conditioning and the environment than i would do here so when you make friends here you make friends within the saigon bubble where it's all a bit crazy and it feels like everyone kind of knows each other and it's a bit more close <laughs> i feel like to me, my world is Saigon and it has been for three years. Occasionally I forget that the world lives outside of like Ho Chi Minh City yeah, and Vietnam. Yeah. Like there are other I countries. I call it the expat bu bubble too yeah, because bubble. you get so comfortable. You, you like Your routine is always within this bubble, right? Yep. Where you eat, who you hang out with, where you work and occasionally you go on a vacation or something. But it still stays the same. And uh, like you mentioned uh, at the beginning that you try to get out of your comfort zone, yes. I guess this is kind of a, this um, uh, trap that you get yourself into and you don't even notice, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's probably when you go home, uh, you can see that like finally this bubble burst a little yeah. bit. It's, yeah, I think my, my strategy to combat the bubble is to try and do novelties. For example, I'll go and volunteer at Vietnamese language classes where I'm the only foreigner. And that's fascinating because I learn so much more about Vietnamese life than I do in Taodian, of course. Mm. And even if I did live in an area like, say, Funyan or D3, where it's Vietnamese, I don't really talk to them still. Because there's language barriers, you know, this is an actual... Do you speak some Vietnamese? <laughs> don't ask me that question, please, <laughs> yeah. Christina. <laughs> same question, same for me. I mean, I feel yeah. a little bit ashamed because, you do. know, yeah, yeah. three years and I still don't even know, like, basic phrases. Yeah, I met, I met somebody recently who'd been here six years and didn't know any, so I felt great. I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you still have another three years. <laughs> yeah, I'm not the worst expat out here. Okay. What have been some of the most difficult moments or challenges of your expat journey and how have you combated them? Oh, well... Uh, in Vietnam or in China or just overall? I think overall because I don't really know. I feel like they can both link to the expat cycle, China and Vietnam. So I would ask you overall. Um, well, you asked me that the first association is 
visa for some reason. Well, mm. I guess it's an obvious reason because it, it's always a difficult uh, period, uh, I, I guess, for, for many expats because it's always stressful and your HR just asks you so many questions and you need to prepare that and that and then, oh, this embassy doesn't uh, allow uh, um, citizens of other countries to come and do like whatnot and you're just like, oh my and you god, need I have this to document. send this <laughs> to another country yeah. and then like, you know, the, the, the delivery service, they uh, confuse the address or something, they delivered it to another person, you like, you have to find this certificate of whatever. So I guess, honestly, this was the most difficult part in terms of stress. But if we are just uh, focusing on mainly like life things or social things, mm. I guess uh, maybe some people like, you know, in terms of work life, I did um, have some conflicts over the years with some some of my colleagues for, for strange and different reasons. Like uh, back in China, there was this lady, she, she got really offended because I was appointed a head teacher. And, uh, you know, I'm a non-native speaker, which was probably reason number one. And also I'm white and she was uh, a colored person. Mm. <laughs> and uh, a, a, a thing to know about me, I can be a little bit naive at times and I don't really, I'm not good at reading people. Like I've, I hear it so many from other people, like I'm so good at reading people. I'm like, are you really? Because I'm, I'm terrible, like I cannot, sometimes I just don't notice some things and I didn't notice that she was like really pissed off with me and I guess like that was quite difficult because it was stressful, like gossip and you know going mm. around your back and something like that and uh, that wasn't pleasant. No. And, and in the end she said that she quit because of me and <laughs> I was like... <laughs> That, that, to be honest with you, that's been my biggest surprise here in Vietnam from my journey about the amount of like gossipy situations that occur. Really? Where I really thought that for some reason, and this was naive of me, I thought that if people move country, you're going to be open-minded, you're going to be tolerant mm. of other people's views, mm -hmm. you're going to be more understanding. But it really surprised me the amount who didn't. <laughs> I mean, I've been very impressed in one sense that the people I choose I, and I actually go out of my way to hang around with are blessed, open-minded, talk about interested things rather than who's fucking who. But I met some, and I guess that wasn't by choice, we were put in like the same company accommodations, who were just completely obsessed with everyone else's personal life. And so I'm, you mean like expat colleagues? Expat co colleagues, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. Vietnamese, I mean, I can't really comment because we only have like a surface level relationship. But I, I mean, I was so shocked where I thought, I thought that this kind of gossipy stuff was like more for your hometown mm. and your college, but it actually can transcend cultures because I feel like, and this is a huge thing for me, if you don't sort out your mindset before you move country, you will bring that exact same mindset with you. Yeah, so if you are sure. at home and you are a gossipy, I guess hateful person, and you move to another country, you're the same person. It's just in a different <laughs> environment, which is why a key theme of this podcast is about finding a tribe, a hobby or something, uh, because it gets you away from that nonsense of escapism and brings you towards the opportunity. And in Vietnam, I think you can go down the opportunity route and do a podcast, a business, a blog, a sports team, whatever the hell you want, or you can escape and you can go to any bar in the world for that. There are a large variety. So it's about navigating that balance, I find. I see your point. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm actually quite okay with the uh, Vietnamese people gossiping about me. I think it's it's just because like, you know, I'm, I'm a different person to their culture and they are curious and you know, like maybe they discuss my, my appearance, my body, the way I behave at work or something like that. And actually it doesn't bother me at all. No, neither actually, yeah. yeah. Neither when it's Vietnamese, it's just when it's experts. I think, oh, you, like for some reason, because if it's especially from like countries I'm from, I think, you know that's not good, surely, surely. <laughs> well, with Vietnamese, I wouldn't class it as gossip, but I'd say genuine curiosity, because mm -hmm. we're just so different to yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, yeah, to be honest, yeah, I never really think of it from their perspective. Mm -hmm. 
but I think from like say British, Irish, <laughs> American, I think come on, you can do better. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I totally agree. Uh, it's um, like, like I said before, I don't notice that, and sometimes might tell me like, oh, you know, they are talking about your bag. I'm like, what, really? I mean, it's it's just it's it's kind of boring. Like, there's nothing really to talk about. Why yeah. are you? Why would you be curious? Like, be interested in that? Yeah. So, it it surprises me when foreigners do that here. Likewise, so, yeah. and I think the podcast is giving me so many amazing nuggets of information mm. and so many valuable conversations, this being one, which <laughs> makes me realize what is valuable conversation and what isn't. So when I hear someone be like, oh, he's got a shit haircut, he's this, he's a dick, blah, I'm thinking, well, that's very poor conversation. <laughs> that's low vibration. I think it's, it also might be different uh, uh, whether you come here by yourself or you have a partner. Yeah, yeah, I think that's like a whole different level because back in China, I've lived by myself. I, I was single for three years, and then for another three years, uh, I've been living with my partner, who is also Ukrainian and who actually moved from Ukraine to China to be with me. Right. So like, there is a story about that too. Definitely. And we are living here in Vietnam together as well. So you know, it's like uh, the two of us. Um, you know, we we share all this together. So mm. I probably I don't feel that um, isolated or something or like you know. Well, in a way, it's a bubble because it's like, you know two Ukrainians together, right? But still, I guess um, over the years, uh, I, I I've, I've learned to be uh, okay with just my personality. I'm enough for myself. It's awesome to meet other people, you know, um, just talk to other people, find, find out about, about other people, making friendship connections and whatnot. But yeah, uh, I just don't feel like I need that so much anymore. That is a sign of, I think, strength of character and a sign of self-acceptance where if you need to constantly to have other people with you if you mm. need to bring someone with you from the country your home country if you need to make friends if you need someone to live with you the need that's filling a void and you have to fill that void with yourself <laughs> you really have to look inwards sure and it's a double-edged sword as well if you move here with someone because i've seen it i think only because all the examples i saw were bad i think i remember about five or six people that i was first moved here with came with partners or friends so mm -hmm. they came as a duo all of them fell out spectacularly within the first three months. And, mm -hmm. I, and, and that made me think, hmm, moving country with someone would get more intense. <laughs> I don't know, I'm glad I went by myself then. I was like, phew, thank God we can still be friends. But yeah, it was just fascinating where I thought, okay, like it's a double-edged sword because of course you're not alone, but if you feel alone in your, say, oh, this sounds cringy, but if you feel alone in your heart and your soul, you will be alone, even if you bring a partner with you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I guess in my case it's uh, a little different because uh, we lived in China for three years and now we are here for three years. Together. Yeah, sure. So I mean, the first quarantine didn't break us up, and the second one did, and so I guess you know that breeds the, resilience. The only thing that we have left to do is uh, you know like uh, construction or something, you know, like build a house or, yes. or, or renovate an apartment, and then if that goes well, then I guess it's uh, you know it's, it's solid, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You um, before we kind of get to the end of the conversation, uh -huh. I ask you about like your main lesson from expat experiences. You live just out of Saigon, right? Bin Yung. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why did you choose to get out of Saigon? I'm just curious. I was a, it was by accident because actually, uh, when it came to Vietnam first, uh, my friend recommended this place because he, he had friends there, Duck Luck. It's, uh, yeah, it's a yeah. central uh, central highlands province and it's in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it, although it's a, it's a coffee capital, of the country, yeah, they, they grow most of the coffee there in Duck Lock. and they also have elephants there. Yeah, so if you ever want to visit, um, 
it's a nice place to, to you know to visit for like two three days not a good place to live in <laughs> although um, older expats really like that place so like you'll see some uh, you know 60 year old guys uh, just uh, uh, enjoying themselves in a super quiet tranquil city something like that so yeah uh, and then we moved to Nachang and we lived in Nachang for a couple of months and I've been doing a couple of interviews Saigon mainly um, yeah, and then a friend of mine recommends this job in Binyong, and it's a Taiwanese school actually. It's a Taiwanese international school. Um, it just it offered a nice package, to be honest. I mean, like taking care of bees and all that. Um, it just it's it's easier, mm. you know. And I I was really tired of having more interviews at that point because that was like I don't know the twentieth or something. So yeah, because uh, you know, it's either I don't like the company or maybe something they don't like and you know how it is. Yeah, absolutely. So it just happened so that I moved there. I mean, it's still pretty close to Saigon and whenever I want to come here, I just come on the weekends, which is not a problem because I'm, I'm working from Monday to Friday anyway. Yeah, sure. So it's not like I could do much uh, even living in Saigon. So, Absolutely. Yeah. No, no, I like that. I like the fact that it's mixing it up where mm. you could just be that person who lives in Taudia and like every other foreigner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I want to say. Like, everybody lives here. You people get out of here sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got a, a mixed relationship where I initially lived in Tanfu, which is miles away. I say miles away, 40 minute drive. <laughs> but um, I was thinking, yeah, I need to get to a better place. I need to go to a place mm -hmm. that, you know, gives me some kind of vibrancy and energy. And for some reason, Taudian kept drawing me. I kept viewing apartments in D1, D3, Funyan. Mm -hmm. None of them suited, and Taudian was like come to us and it was like the angel and the devil on the shoulder and eventually I relented and I've been here two and a half years and I can't see myself leaving it's just so convenient yeah I mean I, I, I see your point because all the restaurants and places and schools and foreigners are here right yes, I yeah. mean if, if you work somewhere nearby it's very convenient right yeah so. And for the podcast, when usually I'll be speaking to a guest, and usually we record here, and I'll say, oh, I live in town, Dian, do you want to go? And they're like, yeah, so do I, I'm like, easy. Once <laughs> I lived in, say, Govap, it's like, no one's near, so yeah. it's a tricky one. Uh, your main lessons from living in Saigon, Vietnam. Let's talk about Saigon, oh, sorry, living in Vietnam. Okay. Like Vietnam, because you've lived in many places. Uh, main lessons from living in Vietnam. So if there's anyone listening to this who is thinking about moving to Vietnam, but is unsure, or just generally wants some insight, they've heard my lessons, because I say on every episode, but from you as the guest, Christina, what would you suggest? What tips or suggestions would you give to somebody thinking of moving to Vietnam? Uh, keep an open mind, because everything's different here. It's it's not like in Europe or or states or any anywhere else in the world, and um, you have to be able to deal with lots of stress, because you know, especially if you're coming here for work, it's like a whole different story. Because you know, working environment might be really really different. If you're just coming for traveling, that's also another story. So I guess uh, it depends on what are people planning to do here. And uh, yeah, just um, keep your phone close to yourself, <laughs> just in case. And get a good insurance, because if you're gonna ride a bike here, yeah, it's it's like uh, being baptized. You're gonna, sooner or later, you're gonna get into an accident. So yeah. That's I've been that. here for three years. I've never had a single accident. Wow. Yeah, let, me, <laughs> let me knock this wood. Okay, lucky like you. Okay, yeah. so you see, my theory is not supporting. My bike, my bike's broke down a lot in the last two or three weeks. 
And I think maybe it's the universe being like, oh, he's nearly his time. So I'll take the bike away from him. I fucking hope so anyway. <laughs> I hope I've missed the boat. But um, <laughs> you got any final thoughts, Christina? Anything you'd like to add or suggest or any links or literally anything to wrap up? I've really enjoyed this conversation, but is there anything you'd like to leave as your final departing note of comeback? Uh, for those of you who are planning on going anywhere, I guess, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of generic in a way. But uh, yeah, just be, be ready for anything that might happen to you. And if you, are, you have your mind uh, specifically on Vietnam, um, no book or guide will help you to learn about the actual nitty gritty things that are happening here. So um, the good stuff, it, it's all here. So just, uh, you know, like do not expect anything. Uh, and, fi yeah. and final one, it's more constructive for me. Has there been a question I've not asked you that you would have liked me to or you expected me to ask you? Not really. I guess it was just like a, a natural conversation where, you know, you ask me questions and I ask you occasionally and we're just sharing our experiences of life as expats. Absolutely. And I've really enjoyed conducting it. I've really enjoyed speaking to you. And I think it will be great value for anybody living in Vietnam, thinking of or anyone thinking of getting out of their comfort zone. A variety of things have been covered and I've really liked. Thank you very much, Christina. Thank you, Connor.